This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by Aurora Voss, who is the CEO and co-founder of Zemble. Zemble are an insurtech business based in Australia, and it's a pleasure to have Aurora joining us on the show today. Welcome to the show, Aurora. Thanks, Nick. This is fun. Yeah, Aurora, I know we've been looking forward to having you on the show for quite a while now, so it's great to have you on this morning. If we can kick off, would you mind giving our listeners a bit of background into your career prior to Zembo and the steps that led to you joining the business and the work you're doing there now. Yeah, sure. So I'll give you I'll give you the quick version, go really fast. So growing up, I wanted to be an eye surgeon because I have a hereditary corneal disease. I lasted about three weeks in pre-med at university, dropped out, went traveling and ended up living in the UK working for the NHS. And that's because I had in my in my search to become an eye surgeon, I'd actually ended up learning all of the new diagnostic technology for diabetic retinopathy. And so I was able to get this amazing job with the NHS, teaching surgeons and and other people within that organization to use this new technology. From there, I went on to spend about four or five years in Spain. I worked as a translator and interpreter. So I've been to a ton of bullfights and a ton of football matches. I came home to Sydney, Australia about 10 years ago uh, and ended up doing a degree in Arabic and Islamic studies. And about eight years ago, made my way into startups. So I've worked, um, you know, growing customer experience team for high growth enterprise startups, made my way into early stage venture capital. And in fact, the the role that I held before Zemble was uh, running Australia's early stage venture venture capital firm focused on fintech and AI. And that's called H2 Ventures. Yep. And actually, I came to Zemble as an investor, not, not, not as a co-founder. So I that was one of the first investments that we made when I was at H2. Fell in love with the team, fell in love with the problem of you know, just, well, insurance in general has lots of things to fix, but the idea of complex claims was really interesting. So yeah, that's the abridged version. I wanted to be a country nice. singer somewhere along the way. <laughs> You've still got plenty, plenty of time for that, Aurora. Yeah. That's such a mixed background, such a variety of experiences there. What would, what would you say? Would you say the wanting to be an eye surgeon or your time in Spain or what of your experiences do you think has sort of like led you on this path or do you think that's just an evolving journey for you? Yeah, I don't know. I've never, you know, I certainly never had aspirations to be an entrepreneur, certainly never thought of myself as as being even capable of running a technology company. But I think, I mean, if, if you're curious, you'll 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 get enough opportunities that come up. And if you're always wanting to learn and, and if you have a natural kind of problem solving nature, then I think you'll always you'll always have opportunities come up. And that's certainly what's happened to me. And I think the other the other thing that that is sort of thread in my career is I've always 
I've always found people to be the opportunity, really. So whether it's, mm. you know, one of the most influential people in my career was Paul Beaumont, who is one of Australia's leading eye surgeons and, and specialists. And, you know, he gave me a break. He let me work in his surgery when I was only 15 or 16 years old and taught me everything that I knew and gave me this look into, you know, healthcare, which is this crazy, highly regulated industry. And and now I'm solving for businesses like that in, in highly regulated industries. And so, yeah, I think, the you know, the same goes for my co-founder, you know, meeting, meeting Alfonso was one of the, the greatest things ever. And I saw in that and in him and our third co-founder who has left, since left the business, saw an opportunity and, and so lead, leaned into it. So, I mean, you know all about the importance of people, don't you? Well, I certainly do, certainly do. Aurora, thank you for that. Of course, as we're in the insurance coffee house this morning, it'd be good to know what your, your go-to coffee of choice is down there in Sydney. So I have a confession to make, dear listeners. The last time that I spoke to to Nick, I I, I had one child. And since I've last spoken to Nick, I now have, now have two children, which I, I had my second son three months ago. And I think that my... My answer to Nick before I had my second kid was something like I, I had rooibos, which I'm South African. And so it's this decaffeinated, really high antioxidant kind of tea. Yeah. And I love to drink that. And now fast forward three months, I drink those like packet Nescafe hazelnut flavored frothy lattes. Oh, I chug like yeah. three of them in the morning. So there's a lot of waking up at nighttime. And <laughs> so I've gone from something quite refined and kind of healthy to just the really crap stuff, but you've I love upgraded. it. Yeah, you've yeah, upgraded. You need yeah, the strongest yeah. stuff there. But if you have a third child, I'm sure you'll then be on the double espresso by then. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. The blue coffee with butter and like the crazy Wall Street people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Aurora. Aurora, if we can now turn to the business to Zemble, if you give us a snapshot and overview of where the businesses at the moment i know obviously you've had a big rebrand from the previous name claim space so if you could maybe give us a bit of an overview of where the business is now and a little bit more information on that rebrand as well yeah for sure thanks so a bit of history on the business so we a few years ago we started out looking at insurance more broadly and we settled on on insurance claims as a sort of problem space that we wanted to explore and solve for. We knew that complex insurance claims, like everything in life insurance, complex commercial, workers' comp, we knew that they were really, really complex. And we knew that the experience wasn't just poor for end customers and claimants and their beneficiaries, but fundamentally for the knowledge workers and, and teams within the organizations. So we started there and spent the first couple of years, we, we started as claim space and spent the first couple of years really just trying to you know build a product that could make the experience better for everyone and what we've evolved into now recently rebranded as Zemble we've really uh, focused in to become a tool or or a sort of operating system for SMB insurance related businesses so we work with uh, smaller to mid market TPAs, MGAs, small carriers, reinsurers, and other sort of satellite businesses around the insurance claim stake, stakeholder network. So whether it's sort of construction companies that help or, or other kind of providers. And typically we find that those SMB type businesses, you know, that they're under exactly the same regulatory and compliance pressures as the really big players. They're a sort of microcosm of it, but but they just simply don't have the resources internally to manage very complex post-sales processes like claims, complaints, disputes, and other compliance-related and yeah. regulatory-related processes. So what Zemble does is we give them a very, very easily configurable sort of set of building blocks that they can use to create really powerful, very complex workflows that, in, you know, involve all different kinds of stakeholders inside and outside of the business. And, and they can do that without the need for code or technical resources. So it's, it's, a, it's a tool that knowledge workers really own. And they can then turn that or publish them and turn them into very personalized 
digital experiences for everyone involved in the process. So, you know, typically we come into an organization and we we start in claims, but we quickly expand into complaints and disputes, compliance, even some really weird procurement procurement processes. But I suppose the idea is just giving giving all of these people one secure space to work in um, and and importantly giving SMBs tools that will grow with their business because honestly like after the after the last two years no one in insurance knows exactly what we're going to be selling in two years right no one knows exactly what the products will look like and and the stakeholder networks and partnerships tend to just get just expand or even get more complex so yeah we're a tool that's that's sort of looking to grow with these businesses awesome and if we could discuss a little bit further about the products themselves what are some of those products and how have you developed them over the last couple of years for those insurance carrier and MGA customers that you have? How have they been developed? Yeah, I mean, we. I think what we did when we started, we, we just, we looked at the existing, like we started with the claims sort of issue and we looked out yeah. into the market because obviously there's always someone doing what you're doing. But we realized that, that solutions that were trying to make, say, claims or complex claims processes better, they tended to be targeted towards very, very large enterprises. So you've got your sort of core ERP or you know, PaaS, claims management payment yeah. systems. And those are really great solutions for large enterprises. Um, you know, they're heavily customizable. You know, the implementation cycles tend to be long because they have to roll out across these large organizations. But they also tend to be really specific to, to lines of business. And we we even start to see that, you, you know, in other startups who are looking to create these sort of collaborative workspaces or single systems, they tend to be optimized for very specific lines of business. So you have you know, fantastic businesses like Gain Life that focus on work workers' comp, and you have you know other things like Mavera over in Sweden that focus on accident. So, and then of course there's like this whole breed of no code app builders, which again they end up being very effective solutions, but they sort of create individual app experiences within a larger ecosystem. So when we realized that, we were like, wow, you know, the insurance industry and financial services and other highly regulated industries, they're actually made up of very small businesses. Like, you know, you've got like the top 10% that are huge and then everyone else is mm. small and regional. And so we thought there was a real opportunity to build something for them. And when we dug into their businesses, we thought, wow, like, there's a lot of email, there's a lot of spreadsheets, there's a lot of paper, a lot of planning at a process level and interdepartment level is done with sort of flow charts. Everyone has a slightly different idea of the process or even what it could be for, you know, these future digital experiences for everyone. And so we realized as a first step, our product needed to be a tool that they could use to actually plan this digital transformation, to really get together in one safe space and collaborate in a visual way. Because at the end of the day, these are these are knowledge workers. They're not necessarily like technical knowledge workers. Mm. They're experts in their particular processes across claims, complaints, and compliance. So as a first step, that's what we really focused on as a product. Um, and and then from there, we've then developed the product to be able to, once they have their processes in place and have tied SLAs or rules to certain steps or, you know, materials. It's like when you think about an income protection claim, it's something like 200 individual data points that flow through that one process. There's five internal teams that touch it. There's 12 external stakeholders. There's four different regulatory frameworks that it has to adhere to. So I think, yeah, as a step, we help these smaller businesses to just understand what those processes look like, what, what's possible with them for digital transformation. And we then, they can publish those processes mm. out and can start connecting all of those external stakeholders in. So we're at a point with a product where it's very much 
we're very much, we're still sort of in the early days. What we do right now for customers is give them those bones. We give them that safe space, secure space where they can bring all of their data and all of their people and all of their processes and materials together for these for these departments and easily share them within the organization. And then I think the future of our product will be really making that system very intelligent. So, you know, we talk about building SLA and rules engine uh, frameworks, you know, really dig into the permissions capabilities and models behind it, start to look at other kinds of technologies that we can bring in to ensure everything is sort of in the one system. And, and also importantly, build out a really strong integration and partnership kind of strategy because you're never going to be the only system that a business uses. So, Absolutely. yeah. So, so would you say that the main sort of benefits then to the, the customers is their ability to then compete with those larger organizations, particularly around claims and compliance? And do you also add, you know, a lot of these smaller Carriers, a lot of the MGAs are looking to be more nimble. They're looking to be more fast-paced than some of those larger carriers. Is that what you're enabling them to do? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. That's a that's a really good question. I'm I'm not sure that it's all. I mean, everyone's always trying to compete, right? And everyone's always trying to win more business and you know save more money. I think that what we do immediately, because any post-sales business unit in insurance is effectively, it's a cost center. So yeah. whether it's claims or complaints. And so I think the the big goal is to get efficiencies. And when you, when you look at very, very large carriers and big brokerages, like global brokerages, I think they have such big, say, call centers, such big service businesses that they're really looking for technology that can, it's all about automation and efficiency, right? It's not really about cutting headcount. It's just, it's about gaining minutes and, and you know, shaving off time and, and making much more frictionless processes. Whereas I think what we've learned is the, the bigger goal for smaller organizations is really as a first step to ensure that they're not so much competing with larger organizations. They're really just trying to establish basic digital foundations for their businesses that will sort of take them where they need to go. So there's definitely efficiency gains because, I mean, once you give, you know, like an MGA that we work with, their claims team has to manage the claims with the reinsurer. They have to report claims data back to the carrier that has their financial service license, you know, and there's all these other stakeholders. And we've taken them from a place where they do it all in email, screenshot attachments or Excel to it's just really all efficient and everything happens in real time. So that's obviously a big gain. Yeah. You know, we also save them like probably a month of every year around claims reporting. So there is that. But I think that intrinsic, like I think fundamentally what we do is we just give them like that that basic foundational digital capability. And that's like when we talk about digital transformation, especially in something as complex as insurance, it's a muscle that you have mm. to build. And you mm. can't possibly build it without the right tools. Um, and so we're learning with our customers as we go how we're de- delivering more and more value. But it's it's just interesting because when I first started selling Zemble as a product, I was very I was very gung ho, you know. And I would get up on stage and in demos, and I would say, you know, we will change, you know, your ability to deliver deliver this great customer experience, and we will, you know, we will over time like skyrocket your, you know, NPS, and you're going to have the happiest customers. And all of these SMBs were like, hold on, sit down, <laughs> calm down. We need something internally first. Like we need to get our ducks in a row. And I think there's a there's a real fear um, when we talk about processes like claims and complaints that touch so many different 
very vulnerable stakeholder groups. There's a real fear around delivering digital experiences for them because it's so new. And there are a lot of risks, you know, in, in, in rushing it or sort of just saying, you know, we're going to have this great Amazon experience, which is not always appropriate, you know, in, in different different lines of business. or, or and, and on top of that, I think smaller businesses, especially in insurance, they they really compete on the customer experience that they bring. And a lot of that is tied to their brand and their voice and their culture as a business. You know, if you look, it doesn't, it doesn't matter like whether it's a carrier and MGA. If you go to the claims section on any of these businesses' website, everyone says the same thing. Like we care about claims, we work with you hands-on, like it's very hard to differentiate. And so they really do these smaller businesses are much more focused on like high touch interactions as opposed to large carriers who are looking to sort of automate a lot of it. So yeah, it's been it's been a real learning curve and I've definitely had to take a step back, you know. Yeah. And well, really- it brings you nicely on actually to the next question about the future of the insurance industry and particularly within claims space. How do you see how do you see the claims sector transitioning as we sort of come out and come through COVID? How do you see the industry developing over the next couple of years? Look, it it sounds like you know, to people outside of the industry, I feel like it sounds like old news, but I, you know, because there are, there's such exciting technologies that, you know, everyone talks about AI and machine learning and, you know, blockchain and its ability to transform certain lines of business or industries. But I, I really think that we're, I mean, we've still got a lot of work to do in moving everyone onto the cloud. And I think that's something that not everyone outside of insurance fully grasps, like when, especially when you think about the variety and breadth of businesses that there are out there. and it's crazy how many don't operate in the cloud at all beyond, say, email. And so I think I think in the next five years, I think that COVID has really accelerated the need for that. And I've certainly seen not just an appetite for more digital tools or solutions, but it's not just appetite. Like people are making decisions a lot, a lot faster from a procurement standpoint. They're they're having to sort of come together and what were previously very siloed business units to to kind of really solve. And that's I think that's something I get really excited about. You know, even outside of Zemble, I think it's I think it's such a going to have such a profound impact on on the industry at large. I mean, if we're talking about like more sort of trendy things, then yeah, I think I think that the idea of embedded insurance for me is super exciting because I just think it makes so much sense to to secure something when you purchase it, and it, it's exciting to think about the reach that you can have with customers that way. Mm-hmm. But I think when I think well, what gets me excited about claims particularly, and this is more of a kind of a philosophical kind of waxing, is that. I really hope to see, and I, and I do really think this is possible, I really hope to see insurance teams like claims or units like claims and complaints, I hope to see them adopt technology that isn't so crazily overly customized for their particular corner of the insurance world. Because I, you know, everyone talks about customers expecting this, you know, great experience because they use products like Amazon and that sort of thing. And, and I think that when you operate within sort of confines of insurance and then the confines of claims and the confines of your specific line of business, it's really easy to start to be sort of unconsciously limited by the rules of, of that particular line of business. And you end up delivering, like you end up creating these workflows and processes that are so complex and you end up passing on that complexity unknowingly to the customer. And so I think if we can, I would love to see more technology like Zimble. I would love to see more kind of building block type technology as opposed to these kind of heavily specific customized type type things. And, and that's going to be really important because as I said, 
not everyone knows exactly what we're going to be selling in five years and and smaller businesses need to adapt much, much faster. Yeah, absolutely. The acceleration of change has just really been amplified and and I'm I'm sure that's going to continue over the next 12 to 24 months as well. Aurora, we've reached the time of our show now, the espresso round where the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you've upgraded from your tea to lattes now. <laughs> are you ready for, for an espresso round? I'm so ready. Awesome. The espresso round. Aurora, what percentage of your team there are from an insurance background compared to a non-insurance background? So right now, the percentage is probably around 10%. Only. 10% from insurance, right? Yeah. And what value do you think someone with an insurance career or someone with a deep understanding from the insurance industry can bring to a, an organization like yours? So I think what they can bring is two things. I think they can bring a real empathy for the customer, which you can never have enough of. I think that it's really easy as a technology solution when you're trying to solve for these kinds of industries, it's very easy to fall into the trap of like, I know best. And, you know, we're not a challenger, we're an enabler. So I think it's it's easy to say, this is crazy. You shouldn't be doing it like this, do it like this. And, and I think you have to really strike a balance between giving your customers another point of view, as well as having empathy for, for the rest- restraints or, or challenges that they have. And I think anyone, I mean, anyone that's worked in insurance just naturally has that empathy, you know? Um, and so I think that that empathy for the customer is key. And also just anyone who's been in insurance is going to be able to help us to navigate the natural challenges and barriers to getting into organizations, connecting with them. That's really, really important. Um, and whether it's from insurance, I think more broadly, it's it's about it's about having operated in a complex, old, highly regulated industry. So I think those kind of skills can come from a few different industries, but obviously insurance is its own beast. So that's absolutely right. Aurora, what are the personalities that best suit working in an environment like yours there at Zemble? Yeah, I mean, you've got to be, I think you've got to be a really, you've got to be curious enough to dig enough, long enough to solve a problem. That then leads on to having patience enough to ride it out because, you know, we're we're a startup, but, you know, it's not like other startups which may be able to accelerate faster or, you know, B2C where things may move faster. It's an enterprise sale sales business, so things do move slowly. And then you've got to have discipline. So, you know, there's so many things that you could be solving. There's so many things that you could be doing, but at the end of the day, you're a smaller company with limited resources. So you must be able to focus and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it really well for the next, you know, six months, and then we'll mm. try something else and experiment. So curiosity, patience, discipline. Yeah, I really like that point about discipline, actually. I think with so many startups, Obviously, because you got, or you almost starting with a blank sheet of paper. But once you've made your mind to go down a certain route, you really need to try and stick to that, as opposed to just seeing all those different shiny lights and other opportunities which are out there. I think we all like to adapt, and we all like to, yeah, well, pivot, I suppose. But if we're going away from the core thing that we're doing and, and not focusing, then we then we lose our USP, our special source, so to speak. So I think I think that's a great point. What opportunities do you provide there to? To high performers, what career path could they expect with Zemble? Oh, you know that. You know that depends a lot on the people on the person coming into the organization. I mean, we're still at a at a pretty early stage. You know, I wouldn't say that we've found product market fit as a business. We're, we've just started raising our seed round of capital, so and it, it's a pretty flat. It's a pretty 
flat kind of structure. Once you hit a kind of series A, you're really trying to optimize and scale, whereas we're really still trying to find that product market fit and find the mechanism that works at that scale. So anyone coming into the business, they're going to have an opportunity to touch a lot of parts of the business and and naturally do a lot of things that may not always fall into the specific role or expertise that they came into. So they're going to be able to collaborate, which is what a lot of a lot of the high performers, you know, that we've been able to recruit, that's what has attracted them to Zemble, you know, the, the to work on something effectively from scratch to really dive into very, very tricky problems. And then, you know, I think you have the opportunity to have a, a really big impact, you know, with our product. What I think is really special with our product is that it touches so many people. You know, you may sell into a claims department, but you've got, you know, five or six different people from within the departments in the organization using it. You've got all of their brokers, health providers, their customers, their family, you know, very vulnerable people. So it becomes a very impactful thing um, Mm. as you grow. So I think that that's something that's been certainly been rewarding for me. And I think, think for our people as well. Awesome. And during that process, we have been bringing in these high performers. I appreciate it's still early stage, but have you had any frustrations or have you seen anything lacking when you've been trying to be recruit people in, into your business? Has there been any frustrations at all there? Um, I think most, I mean, it's less frustration with other people and more frustration with myself as a founder because you kind <laughs> of make a lot of mistakes around you know hiring you sort of learn as you go as a first-time founder exactly who you need at what stage of the business I think something something that frustrates me in general about when when people are looking to come into businesses is one not being specific or personalized enough you know you get you get I, I, I do speak to a lot of people who are looking to transition out of their traditional roles in insurance, you know, and say, I would love to work at a startup. You know, I'm really interested in technology. And a lot of it's driven by deep frustrations within their own role or, you know, inability to change. And that's fine. But I think you really got to te- like arm yourself with knowledge about what what is a startup and, you know, what are the different stages of a startup and really try and figure out and be honest with yourself around, okay, do I actually want to join a really early stage company where it's going to be crazy? I'm going to take a pay cut, but you know, like maybe my role is going to change six times in a year. Or am I best suited to join a scale-up company where things are more established and I can just really go in and give my specific expertise? Mm. So I think um, and that's not something that everyone should naturally know. I, I certainly didn't know it until, you know, eight years ago. But yeah, I think definitely doing doing some legwork around understanding what is a startup and you know, this company that I think is great, are they at a stage that is right for me? Yeah, absolutely. Would you have any advice for someone who's maybe working at a corporate insurance company at the moment and they're considering making that move to a startup to, you know, where they can add a lot of value maybe to an insurtech business? Would you have any advice? What should they be doing now to prepare themselves to make sure that is a successful move for them? Yeah, I think that I I think that relationship building uh it is just a really important thing because I mean, as as a founder of of a of a growing business, you know, I'm I'm I have my customer pipeline, I have my investor pipeline, and then I have my hiring pipeline, and I'm already building relationships with really amazing people that I know we can't bring on right now, or it's not right to bring on, but I know that maybe in 12 months or even 18 months, that's going to be the perfect person for the business when we get there, or someone I really would want to engage with. So building relationships early you know, reaching out to maybe the founders or executives of, of startups or scale-ups that you think are really interesting, wanting to learn more, just introduce yourself, just build a, a trusting relationship. I, I think that that is amazing because 
you know, how many times does your dream job come up on LinkedIn? You know, not that often, but you can, you know, if you build those relationships, maybe in a year from now, you'll not only know the business inside out, know the people in it, you'll have such a clear understanding of how you can contribute to it and vice versa. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that networking is key. And to take that one step further as well, I think probably a bit biased saying this, but I would say that networking with headhunters with search companies inside the insure tech space to really find out what they're looking for, what their clients do look for when they when they're hiring out of the insurance industry is really important as well. So I think yeah, get those networks, start attending some events as well and really see if that is the career path for you and whether that is the right thing for you or or perhaps whether you are better suited at a larger organization. Aurora brings us to the end of the espresso round. We're almost at the end of our time today. Before we go, though, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how would they reach out to you after the show? Yeah, so reach out to me on LinkedIn or I'm on Twitter at, at Aurora Voss or you can just email me. I'm Aurora at getzemble.com. Yeah, I don't know. Piece of advice is just keep asking questions. You know, if you're interested, if you're interested in something or you think, oh, you know, as someone from within the insurance industry, I'm sure you have a ton of ideas about how things could be better or you could change things. Just reach out to people, you know, the founders and like sort of leaders of a lot of these insure tech startups and scale-ups, they're on Twitter, they're building in public, they're sharing all of the knowledge that they have. They're kind of taking people along the journey with them. It's sort of the new thing to do pre-IPO. So Mm. I think that, you know, that presents you with so many opportunities. So just don't be afraid to ask and reach out, you know. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask and reach out. Certainly. Agree with that. Aurora, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to have you in the Insurance Coffee House. I think we've learned an awful lot about Zemble, uh, which is fantastic business. It sounds brilliant. And I wish you every success as the business moves forwards, particularly over, over the next 12 months. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. And thank you, dear listeners. Thank you indeed. To all the insurance and insure tech leaders out there, wherever you are listening around the world today, we thank you for tuning in. And I'm sure you would have gained a lot of valuable insights and learning from our guests today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or would like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.